Hi, Crime Obsessed. We're back. I'm your host, Allie. And I'm your host, Nicole. It's time for a new episode. Are you ready? Hey guys, so we're super excited to dive into this episode because typically we talk about serial killers and murders, but today we're going to talk about Ariel Castro, the Cleveland abduction. So are you ready? I am. So I usually don't do like abductions or anything like that. I'm mainly more into serial killers and murders and stuff like that. Um, unsolved crime. So this is going to be really interesting to me. It's very interesting. Um, I really fell in, like, I guess I don't want to say fell in love, but like became very interested in it because he was actually caught in 2013, which is the year that I graduated high school. And I actually remember when he was caught. Um, and so this one is a lot of fun for me. And I actually watched the movie, um, called the Cleveland abduction that they did on lifetime. So if you ever, um, have the chance to catch it, they air, um, every so often, make sure that you jump on and watch it because it's chilling, but it's like really good. So we're going to dive in and Ariel Castro is one that I did the research on. So Nicole really doesn't know much about him besides of what I've told her a little bit. Mm -hmm. So let's get started. So Ariel Castro was born on July 10th, 1960. His parents were Pedro Castro and Lillian Rodriguez. He had nine siblings. His spouse was Gramilda. He had five children and the number of victims he had were four. Ariel Castro was born in Dewey, Yoko, Puerto Rico. His parents divorced when he was just a child. His mother moved them to the United States with his three full siblings. They settled in Reading, Pennsylvania, and then relocated to Cleveland, Ohio. Ariel's father was also living in Cleveland. He graduated from Cleveland's Lincoln West High School in 1979. Ariel met his girlfriend, Grimilda, when his family moved to another house across the street from hers in the 1980s. They lived with their parents until they were able to move into their own home at 2207 Seymour Avenue in 1992. Grimilda's sister said once they had moved into their own place, all hell broke loose. Ariel started beating Grimilda, breaking her nose, ribs, and arms, even causing a blood clot on her brain that then resulted in an inoperable tumor. He threw her down a flight of stairs, cracking her skull. In 1993, Ariel was arrested for domestic violence, but was not indicted during grand jury. Wow. Like, I don't understand how you cannot be put in jail or suffer consequences for domestic abuse like that. I mean, well, did she report it to the cops, say, hey, he's abusing me, or did she cover it up? Yeah, because. She got that blood clot on her brain from being thrown down the steps. But did she say he did it to Yeah. Like several different times. It's ridiculous. I don't understand. I don't know why she didn't just leave. Like run. I know. I think it's because they had those children. They had the three children. And I think, you know, she Mm -hmm. just felt like she needed to, you know, 
suffer, figure it out. But, um, and so the whole time they were living with the parents, like nothing. He was, he was perfectly fine until they literally moved out of their house. I wonder what happened. I don't know. I don't know if he just like semen possession. Well, that or like BTK, like live that double life, double life. And you kind of wonder if he didn't live that double life too. Yeah. Good point. So Grimilda moved out of the home in 1996 and was granted full custody of Ariel and her um, three children. Policy or police (laughs) were at the location of their home during the move to make sure nothing happened to her. Ariel continued to threaten and attack Grimilda as she left him. She then filed charges in 2005 with the Domestic Relations Court stating Ariel caused her severe injuries on her and frequently abducting, abducted their daughters. The court granted her temporary, a temporary restraining order. It was dismissed a few months later. Grimilda died in 2012 from complications from her brain tumor. So the brain tumor that caused her from being thrown down the steps, the blood clot that she got from being thrown down the steps that caused the brain tumor, she died from because of him. So, technically, that was his first victim. Yeah, in a way. Technically, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Ariel worked as a bus driver for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District until he was fired for bad judgment. He made an illegal U-turn with children on the bus, used his bus to go grocery shopping, left a child on the bus while he went out for lunch, and left the bus unattended while he took a nap at home, while on the clock. Oh, my lands. My, I would never send my child. Uh-uh. I have no idea why he, how he would even, uh, I don't even know. That just, that just like, that's one thing that the idea of like living in a city and having to ride like the subway or buses or even just like Ubers, taxis. Yep. Like that kind of stuff kind of terrifies me. So Ariel kidnapped his victims by offering them a ride. He would then drive each of them to his home, lure them inside, took them to his basement, and restrain them. Michelle Knight was the first of his victims. Michelle was born on April 23rd, 1981. She disappeared on August 23rd, 2002. So um, she was 21 years old, and she had just left her cousin's house. On the day of her disappearance, she was scheduled to appear in court for a custody case for her son, Joey, who was currently in the custody of the state. Oh, so she didn't get to make it? So, if you ever watch the movie, you realize that Michelle kind of had some issues. Um, and, like, she had some speech issues. Like, I don't like if you just ever watch the movie, you realize that. And so, um, when it came to her son, like, she got her son taken away because she was dating some guy, and um, he, the guy that she was dating was not a good person by any means and caused a lot of issues. So, her son got taken, and like, she got out of the relationship and straightened up her life and worked really, really hard on showing the court that she was a fit mother. Mm-hmm. But the day that she was supposed to go to court, she was kidnapped. So Amanda Berry was the second victim. 
Amanda was born on April 22nd, 1986. She was only 16 at the time of her disappearance and was kidnapped the day before turning 17. She was last heard from at 8 p.m. when she called a relative to let them know she was getting a ride home from her job at Burger King. The FBI considered her a runaway until a week after she went missing. An unidentified male used Amanda's cell phone to call her mother. He said, I have Amanda. She is fine, and she will be home soon. Amanda was featured in a segment of Fox America's Most Wanted. Her mother continued to search for her, but died from heart failure in 2006. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Robert Wolford was a prison inmate who claimed in July of 2012 that he has information about the location of Amanda's body. He led police to an empty lot on the west side of Cleveland. They conducted a search but came up empty-handed. Later, they found out that Robert had made a false report. He was then sentenced to four and a half more years in prison for obstruction of justice. So this dude sitting in prison had nothing better to do. So he decided to like lead the police on this goose hunt for her. Why not? Because he got four and a half more years in prison. He, he obviously wanted them. Ugh. He was bored. He needed something to do to excite I just, <laughs> It's just so ridiculous. Gina um, DeSus was his final victim. She was born on February 13th, 1990, and went missing at age 14. She was last seen at a payphone on April 2nd, 2004, on her way home from school. Grimilda and Ariel's daughter, Arlene, was really good friends with Gina. Arlene had her had called her mother to ask permission to sleep over at Gina's house, but her mother said no. Arlene was the last person to see Gina before her disappearance. So Ariel's own daughter was the last one to see Gina before she was abducted by her father. Wow. Ariel then spotted Gina and offered her a ride home. She was under the impression that she was just being dropped off and felt she could trust Ariel since it was her best friend's father. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, mm-hmm. at, I mean, you think that you can trust your best friend's parents. Yeah. An Amber Alert was not issued, which angered um, Gina's father. A year after her disappearance, the FBI released a sketch and a description of a suspect. He was described as a Latino, 25 to 35 years of age, 5 feet 10 inches, 165 to 185 pounds, with green eyes and a goatee. Ariel stands at 5 feet 7 inches, 179 pounds, with brown eyes and a goatee. Like, literally, he was right under their nose. Oh, he sounds creepy. Like, just the he description is. of him, he sounds creepy. He, he truly, truly is. Like, the pictures of him, you just, I don't, I would not trust my, I wouldn't trust a soul with him yeah. at all. Yeah. So, when Ariel kidnapped Michelle, he took her upstairs, tied her hands and feet together. He left her there for three days without food or water. Prosecutors later revealed that diaries kept by the woman spoke volumes of what sh- they endured. Sexual conduct, being locked in dark rooms, anticipating the next session of abuse, and the dreams of escaping one day. They would be chained to the wall, threatened to be killed, and treated like animals. The women were kept upstairs, locked in bedrooms, where they used plastic toilets that were emptied rarely. They were fed once a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most. Oh. 
Sounds like some kind of like prison almost. Yeah. So like kind of like um, the movie, like obviously like they make all this to seem like to look real and like it's just like disgusting. Like his house in general was just filthy, nasty. Like I think nowadays that if a house was like that, he would be notified because mm-hmm. even the outside was trash. Yeah, the government has come like a long way. It's like you have to keep things a yeah. certain way. Yeah, you do. So um, Ariel impregnated Michelle at least five times, but forced her to abort the fetus. He did this by beating her, hitting her in the stomach with dumbbells, punching her, and slamming her against the walls. He would also starve her. Michelle's grandmother later stated she required facial reconstruction surgery due to the beatings. She also lost hearing in one ear. She had a pet dog while she was being held captive, but Ariel killed it by snapping its neck because one day it was sitting in Michelle's lap and Ariel came upstairs to beat her and the dog attacked Ariel. So he killed it right there in front of her. Like that was her only comfort. He, is a he truly he truly is. Oh my gosh. I think the thing that got me the most is like he actually had his older children over for like a meal one time while these girls are upstairs. Like I would have screamed buddy murder. Would he have killed his children though? Do you think he would have crossed that line and killed his children to hide his secret? Part of me does think he would have. That's a really good question that needs I know. to be answered. I know, right? So, Ariel raped each woman several times. He imp- he even impregnated Amanda. He allowed her to deliver the baby. December 20, 2006, Ariel forced Michelle to assist in the birth of the child. It took place in an inflatable pool. He threatened to kill Michelle if anything happened to the baby. At one point, the baby lost consciousness and Michelle had to give it CPR, but the baby survived. Ariel would often take the baby out of the house He would take it to visit his mother. Once the child was old enough to speak, she would call Ariel daddy and his mother grandmother. He then often lied to others, stating it was his niece or girlfriend's child. Wow. So as a mom, if I had a boy, you have a boy. Mm -hmm. If my son was to bring a baby home and say, this is my child, just out of the blue and like, I've never seen this woman pregnant. I've never known about this woman. She had to know, like, something was off with him. Had to. I was protecting him because it's her son. I know, but still. Like, if I was, if my son walked in the door and said, this is your new grandchild, I would be like, where's the mom? Why do you have it? When it's, like, I just don't understand. And, like, it's not that he just took it there once or twice. Like, he took it there all the time. And, like, this little girl grew up and literally said, called him daddy 24-7. It's disgusting. It truly is. So, thankfully, the girls were able to have each other. They spent a lot of their time bonding and leaning on each other to get through this difficult time. Officers visited Ariel's home while the women were held captive to discuss unrelated incidents. Ariel didn't appear to be home, and they interviewed him elsewhere. Neighbors even claimed that they had called to report suspicious activity at Ariel's home, but they had no record of those calls. Ariel's son, Anthony, even Anthony even stated that they were certain areas of the house that were not accessible due to it being locked. 
So like if they were in his house, there were certain like closets and doors and things that they couldn't get into. Well, yeah. And like the doors were like literally bolted shut. On May 6th, 2013, after Ariel left home, Jocelyn, Amanda's daughter, she delivered while being held captive, realized that her father had left the big door inside unlocked. Jocelyn then ran to her mother where she told her what she had found. Amanda then explained to her that her father would be back at any moment. See, Ariel had done this before. He would often leave the door open or a window unsecured. Um, if they attempted to escape, he would come back and beat them. So he, like, tried to lure them out because I think that he, like, needed a reason to do something mm -hmm. to them. And so he would do that. And so, like, in, in Amanda's mind, she's like, no, like, I'm not trusting this. Once Amanda realized that he had left the door unlocked by mistake, she ran to the door, opened it, and started screaming for help through the screen door. A neighbor heard the screaming and walked over to the house. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to communicate with Amanda due to the lack of his English. Another neighbor, Charles Ramsey, joined the other neighbor at the front door. They kicked a hole through the bottom of the screen. Amanda crawled through the hole, carrying her daughter. Charles stated that Amanda told him she and her child were being held captive inside the house against their will. Amanda proceeded to run to another Spanish-speaking house where she called 911 saying, Help me, I've been kidnapped. I've been missing for 10 years. I'm here. I'm free now. Wow. Goosebumps. I know. I have goosebumps. Like 10 years. 10 years. Michelle was abducted for 11, but 10 years and finally being free. I couldn't imagine what's like, that's the whole world has changed in, in 10, 10 years. years. Everything has yes. changed. But that was hard to adapt. The responding officers entered Ariel's house. They walked, they walked through and reached the upstairs hallway with guns drawn, announcing themselves. Michelle was terrified and wasn't sure if this was another setup by Ariel. Once she seen them through a crack in the door, she entered the hallway and leaped into the officer's arms, saying, You saved me. Soon after, Gina also entered the hallway from another room. The woman and the child walked out of the home for the last time. They were all transferred to Metro Health Medical Center. Ariel was arrested on May 6th, 2013. This was like the week of my, my graduation. Because I graduated on like May, I think it was like May 11th was my graduation. Mm -hmm. He was charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape on May 8th, which in 10 life, which is 10 life sentences in Ohio. Ariel made his first court appearance at the Cleveland Municipal Court on May 9th. Bail was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge, which resulted in $8 million. May 14th, Ariel's attorneys announced that he would be pleading not guilty to all charges. How do you plead not guilty? Um, because he probably, he's a psychopath and he thought that what he was doing was okay. Thought or he was going to try to plead insanity. Oh, true. A grand jury returned a true bill of indictment against Castro on June 7th. It contained 329 counts, including two counts of aggravated murder for his role in the termination of one of the women's pregnancies. The indictments covered only the period from August 2002 to February of 2007. 
The county prosecutor stated that the investigation was ongoing and that any further findings would be presented to the grand jury. After entering a not guilty plea on June 12th, one of his attorneys stated that although some of the charges were indisputable, it is our hope that we can continue to work towards a resolution to avoid having any unnecessary trial and aggravated murder and the death penalty. Ariel was found competent to stand trial on July 3rd. On July 12th, a grand jury returned a true bill of indictment for the remainder of the period after February of 2017. It was a total of 977 counts, 512 counts of kidnapping, 446 of rape, 7 of gross sexual imposition, 6 felonies of assault, 3 of child endangerment, 2 of aggravated murder, and 1 of possession of criminal tools. On July 17th, Ariel pled not guilty to this indictment. Ariel then changed his plea to guilty on July 26th. Under the plea deal, Ariel forfeited his right to appeal. He also forfeited his assets, including his home, which was later demolished on August 7th of 2013. Well, yeah, I would tear down the house too. I know, right? I mean, who in their right mind would even think about buying that house like there's no way that anybody would ever purchase that house unless they were literally didn't know anything about the situation but it was probably so gross that it truly was like when you look even if you look at pictures or if you watch the um movie like it is like so disgusting like he didn't clean he didn't do anything like it was disgusting at the sentencing on august 1st ariel was sentenced to Um, consecutive life terms in prison plus a thousand years, all without the possibility of parole. He was also fined $100,000. Before his sentencing, Ariel stated to the court for almost 20 minutes that he was a good person and I'm not a monster. He was just addicted to sex and pornography and that he practiced 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 (laughs) come on I know (laughs) I know that art of masturbation from a young age. He also stated that he had never beat or tortured the woman, and most of the sex was consensual. Bull. Bull shit. Like, on so many levels, that is, like, excuse my language, but that is just absolute horseshit. It is. Because no way would pretend 11 years. You didn't let the women leave. Would they consent to being raped and beat and having you kill their child? Yeah, I know. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, he impregnated... Michelle so many times like in the movie it is so traumatizing watching him because they like they literally show him hitting her in the stomach with dumbbells it's it's so traumatizing the sentencing judge heard from Michelle and her family members Michelle told Ariel you took 11 years of my life I spent 11 years in hell now your hell is just beginning I will overcome what happens but you will face hell for eternity I will live on you will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you have inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Michelle interviewed with several different magazines. She discussed what happened to her during her being held captive. She also changed her name to Lily and started getting several tattoos as her way of coping. Her son was also adopted by foster parents while she was in captivity, and she wanted to see him, but doesn't want to bring him into this whole ordeal. She plans to contact and see him when he is an adult. 
She plans on opening a restaurant and dreamed of getting married, which she did in 2016. She hopes to adopt children since her years of abuse, torture, and abortions have caused her not to be able to carry one of her own. Amanda and Gina received honorary diplomas from John Marshall High School in 2015. Both girls have a strong desire for privacy and do not wish to speak to the media. This part just pisses me off. What? Ariel was found hanging from a bedsheet in his detention cell at the Correctional Reception Center in Orient, Ohio, on the evening of September 3rd, 2013. He wasn't even in jail that prison no. that long. No. He is a sorry for my language pussy. He is, I mean, I mean, he 100 percent took the like, easy way out. He did. And that it just I bet that Michelle's words really just dug into it. Oh, I think so. And too. that's why he was just like, eh. Yeah, I think so too. Kind of like one last payback. Yeah, here I go. I'm not spending lifetime in prison. I'm just gonna cut it short. Who's getting a laugh, laugh now? Last yeah. laugh now. He was 53 at the time of his death. Prison staff did perform CPR before he was taken to Ohio State Medical Center in Columbus. He was later pronounced dead. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a Cleveland abduction, and it still blows my mind. So I have some more to um, read and go over, though. But um, I did want to go over some fun facts. Um that I found kind of interesting. So Ariel knew that Gina's family had lived in the same West Cleveland neighborhood. He did not know that Gina was a member of that family. So I guess he really didn't know his daughter's friend that well because he didn't realize that that was his daughter's friend. Wow. Ariel's son mentioned that his father, three weeks before the women escaped, Ariel asked him if he thought Amanda would ever be found. Anthony said that he told Ariel that Amanda was likely dead. Ariel said, really? You think so? So he asked his own son if he thought that Amanda was dead, even though Amanda was just in his upstairs at his house, like just chilling, (laughs) being abused. The rescue of the women also gave hope to the family members of Ashley Summers, a young girl who disappeared in the Cleveland area. As of November 2019, Ashley is unfortunately still missing. Ariel's neighbors told police about strange incidents, including naked women crawling around, but no legal action was taken. So he actually would take the women and put collars around them and lead them around his backyard. That is insane. And I don't understand. He treated them like animals. Yeah, and I don't understand how no legal actions were taken. It blows my mind. Ariel's son studied journalism in 2004. He wrote a newspaper article about the abduction of Gina DeSus. Even though, oh, wow. He had no idea. He just had wrote an article because of journalism. Emily Castro, Ariel's daughter from his marriage with Gramilda, is in prison for attempting to murder her 11-month-old baby. So that is kind of like hereditary. Yeah. You kind of wonder. You're like, oh, good. Okay. Two of Ariel's brothers were brought in for questioning for being involved, but later dismissed to having no connection. So I found this article, and it's by Michelle Knight, the first one, the one that feels more comfortable to be um, public about things. And it's, 
it's like very traumatized. Like I actually got super teary eyed reading it. So um, bear with me here. <laughs> My name is Michelle Knight and I would like to tell you what 11 years was like for me. I missed my son every day. I wondered if I would ever see you again. He was only two and a half years when I was taken. I look inside my heart and I see my son. I cried every night. I was so alone. I worried about what would happen to me and the other girls every day. Days never got shorter. Nights turned, days turned into nights. Nights turned into days. The years turned into eternity. I knew nobody cared about me. He told me that my family didn't care. He tormented me constantly even on holidays. Christmas was the most traumatic day because I never got to spend it with my son. Nobody should ever have to go through what I went through or anybody else, not even the worst enemy. Gina was my teammate. She never let me fall. I never let her fall. She nursed me back to health when I was dying from his abuse. My friendship with her is the only thing that was good out of this situation. We said we would someday make it out alive, and we did. Ariel Castro, I remember all the times that you came home talking about what everybody else did wrong and act like you weren't doing the same thing. You said, at least I didn't kill you. You took 11 years of my life. I have got it back. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all this and what happened, but you will face hell for eternity. From this moment on, I will not let you define me or affect who I am. I will live on. You will die a little every day. As you think about the 11 years and the atrocities you inflicted on us, what does God think of you of you hypocritically going to church every Sunday, coming home to torture us? Death penalty will not will be so much easier. You don't deserve that. You deserve to spend life in prison. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. With the guidance of God, I will prevail and help others that have suffered at the hands of others. Writing this statement gave me the strength to be a stronger woman and know that there's more good than evil. I know there are a lot of people going through hard times, but we need to reach out a hand and hold them and let them know that they are being heard. After 11 years, I am finally back. I'm finally being heard, and it's liberating. Thank you all. I love you, and God bless. Wow. So um, this is a statement by Beth which is the sister of Amanda Berry, the one that had the little girl named yep. Jocelyn. The impact of these crimes on our family is something that we do not want to discuss with people we don't know. Even if I wanted to talk about it, it is impossible to put into words. For me, I lost my sister for all those years and thought it was forever. And we lost my mother forever. She died not knowing. My mother and my sister, the two most loving people in the world, it is impossible to put into words how much it hurts. Amanda is not here today. She is strong, beautiful, inside and out, and is doing better each and every day. She's not just my only sister, but the best friend I have and the best person I know. She does not want to talk about these things. She has not talked about these things even with me, and she does not want other people to talk about these things. The main reason she does not want to talk about it or be forced to talk about these things is because she has a daughter. She would like to be the person who decides what to tell her daughter, when to tell her daughter, and how to tell her daughter certain things. So this next statement is by Sylvia, which is the cousin of Gina. To Ariel Castro's family, we are saddened that you are burdened with this horror and will unfortunately forever be tied to these atro atrocities. 
Please know that we do not hold you accountable and pray that you can one day be whole again. Continue to love and support one another. We promise you that this, that with this, you will be tri- trump- triumphant. We stand before you and promise you that our beloved family members thrives. She laughs, swims, dances, and most importantly, she loves and is loved. We are comforted in knowing that she will continue to flourish. Flourish. She will finish school, go to college, fall in love, and if she chooses, we'll get married and have children. She is where we will continue to put in our energy. She lives not a victim, but as a survivor. We ask that you continue to give her and our family privacy as we continue this journey back to society. To Ariel Castro, may God have mercy on your soul. Wow. So um, there are a few little inserts that came from his trial that I find kind of humorous. It was like his way of saying, like, I'm not a bad person. People are trying to paint me as a monster, and I'm not a monster. I'm sick. My sexual problems been so bad on my mind. I'm impulsive. I believe I'm addicted to porn to the point that it really makes me impulsive. When I picked my first victim, I hadn't even planned it that day. That day, I went to the family dollar, and I heard her over saying something about she needed to get somewhere, and I reacted on that. But I, but when I got up that day, I did not say, oh, I'm going to get up and try to find some woman. It wasn't my character, but I know it's wrong. I'm not trying to make excuses here. I know I'm 100% wrong for doing that. So um, one thing that I found kind of funny um, regarding everything is um, the fact that he had two brothers and both of them got taken in for questioning and like, you know, family sticks together, but in a situation like this, I couldn't stick with my family. Mm-mm. I could never forgive, and I could never forget what somebody would, somebody like this did. Um, and his daughter, like his daughter, the fact that his daughter has been, like, I is in prison right now for mur- trying to murder her 11-month-old child. It's, yeah, it's definitely... Wow, that family has been through a lot. They have. They have. I mean, he has a lot. Of, and But there's, like, no family history before him. Like, there was no abuse. Like, his dad never abused his mom. His mom never abused her husband, like, that we know of. Was he dropped on his head as a baby? Probably. He's a BTK. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I find the Cleveland abduction very interesting. What were your thoughts? It definitely was interesting, eye-opening. My heart goes out to those girls. How they got through that, they are incredibly strong. Um, Wow, I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Well, that's all that we have time for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And stay tuned because we have more episodes coming up. Hey guys, we just wanted to remind you where you guys can follow us on um, social media and also our podcast. So make sure that you go and subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you choose to listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, and there's some other like little side ones that you can listen to us on as well. But make sure that you guys go on, like I said, and subscribe and follow us because every 
every listener, every listen counts for us and helps us get to where we're trying to go. Yeah. Help us grow. Yes. Yes. We're Um, working on getting sponsors right now. Yes, we are. We also have Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. (laughs) We kind of have them all Snapchat. And we also have a page that's called crimeobsessed19.com. You can go on there. We have um, just like a little intro intro about us um, and where you can suggest a case. If you have a case that you would like us to go over um, and Facebook, which our- we have one, we, <laughs> we had one come in our email and it's so exciting. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We also have an email so you can email us. That's on there too. Um, on always watch our Instagram and our Facebook because we're always doing little posts and giveaways and just kind of updating you guys on what we're doing. Yes. And letting you guys know when a podcast will be headed your way. Yes. So once again, thank you guys for all your support and love. We appreciate it. And you're helping us get exactly where we're trying to get.